Hey, welcome to the Extra Podcast. My name is Daniel Mark, and I'm joined around the table by Greg Harris, who is a, a usual suspect on this podcast. And we have in the, uh, in the studio with us a, a familiar face, a freshly shaved face. Some might even say a handsome face. We're joined by John Mulder. That's right. I'm back. He's back. And you might know John as the old host of this podcast. And he's, he won't stop whispering in my ear to try and get back on the podcast. Wow, Daniel. Make me sound desperate. Oh, no. I think it's fair to say that uh, John is very busy in mission. Yes. Like you, you're crazy is your schedule is crazy busy. Yep. And Daniel is not. It's true. I mean, Daniel, fine. He's got things to do, but let's be honest. He's got time to host a podcast. He has enough time to host a podcast. Guys, I prioritize this podcast because I love this podcast. This podcast matters to me, Greg. I would say that on the scale of, of, uh, like to love of this podcast, you are a lot closer to the love side. Yes. You were a long-time listener. I am a long-time listener. Have you and listened so, to every episode no, of the Extra Podcast? No, there was a period of my life where I didn't listen mm. to it for a while. Where you, you fell away. Fall, yeah, I fell away. The dark but years. I did, but I did get back on my bike, Okay, and I did continue the race that was run. And look where it got me, John. I'm now the host. Yes, you are. But and John, this is, is this your first time as a like contributor? As a guest contributor oh, yeah, on called? the... Yeah. Oh. Yeah. There you go. I was hosting for a while, and... Now they've, they've brought me back. They've, well, brought me back. They called up from the minors because Jeff's ill. There's, there's some holes on the bench. So Jeff, well, we should rephrase that, Greg. I mean, Jeff told a little fib on the weekend, which we corrected him on the last podcast. And now he is quote unquote sick and not here. Are you drawing a correlation between those two things? I'm just saying, I'm just noticing patterns, Greg. I'm pretty sure he repented. I'm pretty sure he repented. Okay. So, all right. Well, I just, I like to just point out patterns when I see him. John, you're in, uh, you're in mission. Quite I a bit. Am. Tell us, because you're with Ezra Okoti. Yes, I am. Who used to be quite a character on this podcast. Yes, he, he was. was. Uh, on this radio show. He yes. was always uh, around speaking on this, but now he's tied up in mission. And you're well, tied, tied up in mission. Tied up maybe the wrong word. He's busy for the Lord in mission. Mm. He's not actually tied up. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> he's fully mobile. Totally. Yeah. So tell us what that's like. How uh, is Mission Campus doing? You guys moved into the new building. We did move into the new building in June, and it's going really well. One service, right? One one service on Sunday mornings in the new auditorium there in our ministry center, and it's going really well. We've got a, a lovely um, group of people that attend that church mm. that it's been a privilege getting to know them over the last year and a bit since I've been over there, and ministering and partnering alongside the people that are there has been really awesome and mm. growing and learning and it's a good time out there. So, John, just so that people know, you're not just like this guy we picked up off the street who used to host this thing. Yep. T- tell tell the good people a little bit about your background educationally. And yeah. you're in your second year of the pastoral internship with uh, Immerse. Yep. But before that, what was some of the things that you did? So before that, I just some of my Bible school, I went to Cape Henry in England. Um, well, that's about eight years ago now. That feels like a long time ago. Um, and then after Cape Henry, I did... Uh, Bible school down in Portland at uh, Multnomah University. Mm-hmm. So I went to the States and studied there. It was part of a good local church. One of the things that I try to remind young adults of constantly is if they're leaving to go away for whatever reason to mm-hmm. go to school or find work, that the first thing they got to do is get plugged into a local church. Mm-hmm. I didn't actually, my first 
semester and a bit in Portland. And once I did, I realized that I was actually really missing out. Um, and so, yeah, that's one of the, the big things is just to get involved in a good local church that preaches the Bible that cares about Christian discipleship, mm. loves Jesus. Um, and cause that was just as beneficial as my schooling was. So finished my degree, came back here, did an internship with the one and only Andy Steiger. That's right. Yep. I learned shameless self-promotion from him. Dude, that it's guy's true. the king of self-promotion, isn't he? He is. Yep. He is the king of it. I, I, saw like, him, I saw him in the office with his ghostwriter the other day. <laughs> yes. For his The Human Project. Nice. So. Do they have, um, now nah, there's a, there's an actor that we have in our general vicinity. Is he in Andy's new film? The Human Project? Leland Clausen? Leland Clausen, yeah. No, I don't think so. Is he not no, in it? No, I don't think so. I don't think so. I don't think they started filming it yet. Oh, man. One day. Do you think we can get Leland Clausen on this podcast? I think if people want to have Leland Clausen on the podcast, they should let us know. Right. Yeah. I personally don't think he would contribute anything substantial. <laughs> I say that as a joke. Leland and I have had an ongoing joking feud. Oh, no. Which has been heightened in the last few, it's few been, days. It's been tense. Oh, no. I don't think he's a listener of the show, though, so he won't know this. So that's okay. Uh, yeah, he doesn't appreciate the program like, yeah. like John does. That's right. So, John, you were telling us about Oregon. Yeah, so finished up in Oregon, came back here, did an internship in the Young Adults Ministry with Andy, and then finished that up, and after a couple of years, um, was looking for um, some seminary or, or where to go, and it was right around the time that Northview was really pushing and, and developing their immersed program, and so I had lots of conversations with Kyle Meeker at the time of if this is something I would be interested in when it became available, and just learning more about it, it just seemed like a really good fit for what I was wanting to do. And also um, being a, a longtime Northview attendee and just growing up here, it was a really good fit for, for both sides, actually, to, yeah. to develop young leaders in their own church, but also for me to be built into by um, the, the leadership here. So it's yeah. it's been a really good um, couple of, or year and a bit so far, and I'm looking forward to the next couple of years here. Fun fact for the listeners, uh, John and I did, we went to high school together. That's right. So that was good. Yes, it was. And now we're here serving. And Jonathan Giesbrecht. Yep. Uh, was also a part of our grad class. Mm-hmm. And so, yeah. Yeah. Oh, you guys are good just stuff. Little so friends. Is, so is actually one of the other pastoral interns. Sean Hildebrand. Sean Hildebrand, one of our other pastoral yeah. interns. Yeah. Wow, dude. What a yeah. powerful grad class. It's, uh, That's what you get when you go to the Institute. Is it? <laughs> it's uh, mm, well, maybe it, one thing. No, it's a good, it's good. Yeah, it is. Cool. Yeah. Cool. Thanks for being here, John. Yeah, it's and, good to be here. Uh, it, yeah. It's always nice to, it, it, I always appreciate it when I know I'm someone's last choice. Yeah. And that they're desperate. Mm-hmm. And then you contribute in a meaningful way. So it'll yeah. be. It's really humbling. <laughs> it's a comeback season. <laughs> well, everyone else is busy. <laughs> so, so here's John. Here's yep. John. Awesome. Daniel, it's been my, I've, I've heard some feedback from the, from some faithful listeners, mm. um, that they didn't, they, they're not sure why we're not answering any more questions. What's the deal? Why are you changing the podcast so much? Or is it going to your head? Greg, I don't know if it's going to my head as much as, um, there's actually kind of a good reason why we haven't been answering some of the questions. Some of them come up, um, and will be answered as sermon series continues. So we have them in our bank mm. and we're waiting to answer them. But in particular passages such as like, uh, one's talking about election, for example. There's going to be a lot of that talking in the next few months. And so a lot of the podcast will probably be dominated with that. And we've also talked about it quite a bit on, exactly. on the podcast. Oh, John, that so. is, you are a good 
former host. Mm-hmm. You uh, that really helps. So uh, what John's referring to is actually on if you go to the Northview website, on our website we have under the Northview podcast the there's a list of different media than podcasts under the Abbotsford campus. So you go there, you'll see something called Extra Archive. And what that is, is a couple years ago, Greg, right? You tasked a few interns mm-hmm. to basically listen to all the different podcasts. That was up to episode 150, I believe. Yes, up so to this episode. was a while ago. Mm-hmm. It, it was. A while ago. We have to probably redo it, maybe retask some interns. You know, John's super busy. He probably can't do it. No, I'm, I have no time. I'm pretty busy, too. Yeah. Uh, I, I got to host this podcast. You're I tied gotta, up. Yeah, I'm pretty tied up. Um, <laughs> but uh, there was a bunch of interns who went through. They listened to them all, and they actually archived different sections. So if you go to this, and you go to the search bar, and you type in election, every sort of segment that has been about election, you can it'll be pulled up through the title. And so that's a good way, if you want to r- learn about God's love through the podcast and see what we've said on it previously, you can type that in, and it'll bring up podcast episodes from years back. From years prior, before we even had this studio, and they were sitting in the, in the back of a van. Well, I'm kidding. No, they had where, where they filmed. They sat the first in the green one. room. Oh, in the green room. Yeah. yeah. So that that is. Although have, the tablecloth is still the same. Same. Yeah. It's the same. It's for continuity. They, yep. I mean, the tablecloth has kind of become part the podcast. Of. So just to can I wrap a bow on that? Yeah. yeah. For a second, I think if you are the kind of person who would love to hear what particularly Jeff and Ezra and some of the other pastoral staff would say on particular issues. The first 150 episodes was almost entirely driven by the question, people writing in questions. And so it really is a good resource for you to check that out, search it. It's searchable. um, And so it'll be worth your time. And we will still address questions. I think even this episode, we're going to address some questions that people have sent in a while ago, but um, you also, Daniel, are talking about potentially having different segments of the podcast to have, you know, some, some stuff be more just like, let's talk about some of the culture and some stuff about, let's talk about the sermon and let's talk. So a little bit of a, we're going to probably change the flavor of the podcast with some degree of regularity. So, mm-hmm. and hopefully pick things that are applicable to the audience and that actually they would value hearing. Like a while back, we talked about the shooting in Las Vegas. And I think if right. there's stuff like that, we want to spend time talking about it and, and processing through that. But other times, um, a lot of times there's just been, we've already heard this question a lot of times and it would actually probably be better for you guys to go back and listen to the right. the previous ones. Cause there's like seven different takes of some of the issues that are being emailed in. So, um, yeah, if you guys have a question, uh, by my all means email it, but also check the extra podcast archive and see if it hasn't already been addressed before. Cause that might save you typing an email and don't ever be afraid to send us in your thoughts on the podcast and how you think it could get better. Oh yeah. Oh, I mean, speaking, so that was a good, that was a good segment of, uh, of housekeeping there, Greg, but speaking of podcasts getting better, we have moved up in the charts. Well, yesterday I checked, um, is this kind of like now you're kind of addicted to seeing where we are on this list? Yeah. Daniel's can, identity is wrapped up in where the podcast is on this top list. So so where are we at now? My identity's tied up with this podcast. Where are we at now? We got so, it. Good so reference as of up. last night, as of last night, we were ranked, drum roll, we were ranked at 113. Wow, that's great. Wow. We moved up. We moved into the top 125. And didn't Jeff call it? He said that the Iron Brew segment. I wasn't, I didn't listen to the oh, last you episode. There. Oh, I don't subscribe to the podcast. Well, don't. <laughs> <laughs> oh, weird. Sorry. Um, is that, anyways, do you want well, me to do a long-time contributor? Yeah, don't long-time listen to contributor. it. He lives the podcast. 
No, but we we climbed up in the rankings, in the power rankings, to one thirteen, and then I checked again this morning, and we dropped out of the top two hundred podcasts. Yeah. It's a it, it it's a fickle thing. It it's is. A, it's a fickle game, and yeah. we don't pretend to know how it works. We don't pretend to know the algorithms or the popularity thing. You know, the people at the top, maybe they're feeding money to Apple. We don't know. But this is a this is a free podcast, free of charge. We don't we don't charge. Um, there's no sponsors. It's true. Yeah, you're right. Yeah. There are no sponsors. There are no this sponsors. Is a, this is very. This is charity. This is we, we do it because we love it, because we love this podcast. It's for the love of the podcast game. Yes, that's right. Yeah, and trying to make uh, some some good podcasting material. Okay, that's great, guys. Thank you for that little segment there and the update. All right, let's talk about. Uh, uh, some, I guess, some kind of Christian buzz language that we often use, mm, mm. in the sense that, um, you know, people get tied up a lot of times when we talk about this particular issue that I'm going to introduce with the idea of election. Okay, so I guess I did bring it up, but this might be helpful. So this is the question: If Christ has successfully rescued His own on the cross, and the knowledge of the elect belongs to God, is it inappropriate to use the term? Okay, in quotes, Jesus died for you in evangelism. What do you guys think? We say this all the time. Oh, Jesus died for you. Jesus died for you. Jesus died for you. Right. Is it appropriate to use that if we know that God has chosen? I think short answer, yes. I think it is appropriate to use that kind of language in evangelism. Because what we what we mean by that is, is that Jesus' death on the cross is sacrificially atoning for your sins, works your forgiveness, and and is, is available for you. So we mean that, yes, Jesus did die for you. But the application of that is is through faith. So, yeah, I, I think it's entirely appropriate to, I think it's it's missing the point if you're going to make it an issue to, to really regulate the kind of language somebody can use in evangelism. Because we don't, we don't do this in other parts of our faith, right? We don't say, I'm a Christian, and then follow it up because I've, I'm persevering in the race, right? We don't we don't make that distinction, right? And and when we're encouraging people, we will at times bring up perseverance language, which is yeah. good and true and helpful and, and an important corrective in a society where we don't think perseverance matters mm-hmm. for our faith. But we don't always nuance it in that way. Oftentimes, yeah. when someone's discouraged, we'll say. Like you should keep going because you're secure in the Lord's hands. Mm-hmm. So, so don't, don't fret. Don't worry. We say things like all things will work together for your good. Now, theologically, yes, if you persevere, mm-hmm. but often in the midst of the trial, when we just need to be reminded that no, the Lord will hold me fast and all things will work together for my good. That's a, that's a fair thing to say, even though it's not the most theologically precise. I think this is the... I'm cutting you off, John, but That's I think fine. this is part of the part of the problem with people who, when we become so concerned with theological precision in our language, mm-hmm. that sometimes we can become overly pedantic mm-hmm. and kind of miss the point. So, I, I think the danger is real to be theologically sloppy. I think the danger is also real to become overly pedantic and feel like like we can't say anything and we can't make any sentence or phrase without feeling assured that it's 100% nuanced and clear. And I just think that's a really bad way to go. I I think also when it comes to the idea of evangelism and and making the call that whosoever will believe Mm -hmm. 
can receive this gift. I think it's a legitimate thing for us as people to be making that general call that whosoever believes will be saved. Mm -hmm. And then the question is how or why do some people respond and other people don't? Well, that's where in in theological circles and in, in the textbooks and in the theological classes, that's when we'll start talking about the order of salvation to make sense of the fact that you could have one brother, Bill and brother, Bob grow up in the same home with the same parents, the same experiences, the same schools, the same churches, the same everything. And Bill believes in Jesus and Bob does not. Bill continues to believe in Jesus until his death and Bob does not. And so the question, how does it make sense if both nature and nurture is similar in both these cases? Why is it that Bill believes and Bob doesn't? That's where the the study of theological proper of, you know, the, the, the learning of the order of salvation, that's where those answers can help provide some clarity from the scriptures. But, but that's a, that's a different thing. Studying that kind of a thing and thinking about that kind of a thing is a very different process than saying whosoever believes can come to the father through Jesus, our Lord. Like it's a, we can do both. Yep. And we're not being disingenuous or pulling the wool over anyone's eyes. Make the call broadly Mm -hmm. and trust that the spirit will bring the effective call that the message will be effective in the lives of those that the spirit changes the hearts of. Yeah. And I was just thinking too of oftentimes the, this language of Jesus died for you will happen inside of a conversation. Mm -hmm. And so there's the ability then to explain that a little bit more too. So I think if you're in a, in a conversation, yeah, you sometimes may use broad language, but the goal is, is to draw people into a conversation so you can explain these terms and these ideas and exactly what the gospel is. And what do you mean by Jesus died for, for me? Mm -hmm. Right. So I think in it kind of to summarize that a little bit, I, I think we should be careful of the way we speak theologically, but we shouldn't be so, um, engrossed in it to the point where we feel like we can't make true statements without feeling like we're being disingenuous. Mm -hmm. It is not disingenuous to say that whoever wants to believe the gospel can believe the gospel. Right. That's a true statement to make. Mm -hmm. So the answer, the the reason behind why someone would want the gospel and why another person wouldn't, that that's a different conversation. And that a lot of those conversations don't even divide the whole Calvinist Arminian debate until much later in the conversation. So, I think yeah, at, at times, sorry, at times we can make it, we can bring in the Calvinist Arminian debate too soon mm-hmm. and too frequently. Yep. Yeah, Greg, that's what I was going to say because we mentioned this earlier, and that's what you said. The, this is where the debate is heading. And so right. I think we can affirm all of these things, and then we can affirm that both Calvinists and Arminians, whatever tribe you land in, they both believe that there are elect. And then mm-hmm. uh, they both believe that. They uh, they have different beliefs on how yeah. that election process occurs. Yeah. So, so um, yeah, it's kind of another kind of summary statement. I think that we can say both Calvinists and Arminians would say that there are people who are going to hear the, the, the call that whoever believes will be saved. And they'll both make that call. And they'll both genuinely be able to make that call. And they both will have understandings of why someone would choose to believe and other people wouldn't choose to believe. But what I want to, what I'm trying to help us think through a little bit is just seeing 
the areas of agreement between the two viewpoints, which are that, that they believe God has an elect and that they believe that those who are elect have chosen to believe the gospel. Mm -hmm. Those are two massive truths held in common. And both of those views could uh, raise the same question this person raises. Is it disingenuous to say whosoever believes um, because not everyone will believe? Mm -hmm. And I think both responses would say, no, you know what? You can make the general call to believe the gospel trusting that why or how someone will make a decision or not make a decision to become a Christian is in God's hands. And we can track down some answers in the scriptures, but ultimately we have to be willing to, to one, be patient with people because they could come to Christ later in life. And two, trust that God is the one who's, who knows who's, who's made that decision and who's going to persevere to the end. Yep. Awesome. Well, thanks for that guys. That was good. I think you guys well-rounded it. It's one of those things I think where it's, you, you, it's that kind of Christian paradox, right? Because it's two yeses. Yep. Mm-hmm. And uh, that's part of the fun. It's part of the mystery. Yep. Okay. I have another topic I want to bring up here. This is kind of an ethics question for you, John. Ooh. And for you, Greg. Cool. So here's the here's the question. And it's it's around the idea. I mean, it's super trendy these days uh, for people to be vegan. Super trendy for people to be vegetarian or gluten free or um, or whatnot. Have certain dietary choices. But for a lot of people. Um, they have to sometimes uh, just for allergies. But another thing, too, is sometimes people have uh, deep convictions about um, whether it's OK to eat meat or not. And, and what I want to talk about is this idea um, about, you know, is it OK to eat meat? Is it OK to be vegetarian? Are we being legalists um, by saying we can or can't um, and try and find a balance around that? So here's a question that was sent in basically says this. What is the Bible? say about the ethics of eating meat, especially with the mistreatment of animals in the food industry. What is the Bible's direction about the health of eating meat? So there's two questions there. One, is it okay uh, for us to eat meat if, you know, the animals are being treated poorly? And two, is it even healthy for us to eat meat? So I guess that's more of a, a dietary question, but I want to hear what you guys would say. Because, John, you like your meat, don't you? I do love my meat. Mm. Mm, I love a good steak. Oh, yeah. I know. But, yeah, uh, no, I, I think this is, is an interesting question. Um, I think there's, you brought up the the topic of, you know, is it, it are there reasons because of abuses to animals or whatever that you may think this is, is a better choice or not? And I think sometimes what happens is um, the the abuse of the animals then prompts the response of, well, then we shouldn't do it at all. And I think that goes too far. I think we can all agree that, that the mistreatment and abuse of animals in the, um, in the production of food is not a good thing. Mm. And you're meaning more than just the fact that, that they're slaughtered. Right. I mean, I mean, in the way that the they humane treatment yes. of them prior to their yes. death, such as like the feed they have is making them extra heavy because so they can fit mm-hmm. more meat on the bird right. or whatever, but it's hard on the bird's joints and they live in constant suffering and torment right. until they're killed. Exactly. Sure. Those are, those are the kinds of things I mean. I mean, I think there's also humane ways where you can slaughter animals versus inhumane ways. And so we need to consider those things and think through those things and be, aware of those things. But just because something is abused does not mean that we need to then respond with, well, then we need to like stop, um, 
all of that. I, I was, as you were talking, thinking of, uh, first Timothy four, Paul's talking to Timothy as he's, um, pastoring in Ephesus. And he's saying, look, you've got false teachers who are coming in and saying, okay, you can't eat this and you can't do this and all of these different things. And his, his response to Timothy is to say, okay, you know, um, refute some of these things, but here's what he says in first Timothy four, verse three, and I'm, I'm getting towards the end. These false teachers require abstinence from foods that God created to be received with thanksgiving by those who believe and know the truth. For everything created by God is good and nothing is to be rejected if it is received with thanksgiving, for it is made holy by the word of God in prayer. So I think what we're, we're getting here from Paul is, is, a, is a general principle of saying, okay, look, it's not, it's not a Christian teaching to require abstinence from certain foods. So, so to say then, you know, because Christians want to, to treat God's creation well, that that requires then the abstaining from eating of any kind of farmed um, meat or animal product is to actually miss the point because God gave us those things to be enjoyed. Mm-hmm. And Paul is saying, look, don't, don't equate those two things. Christianity is not about abstaining from certain foods and enjoying others or um, making those things a priority. It's about, glorifying God and giving him thanks. Now you may choose personally to say, look, because of things I've studied or because of, uh, because of that very issue of the, the abuses that happen, um, I'm not going to personally partake in that. Mm-hmm. And that's totally awesome. Mm-hmm. Do it. Great. But those, those are not requirements for or against being a Christian. So would you then would it be right for a Christian if you know someone in your group has convictions about meat mm-hmm. and uh, maybe you guys go out for lunch Yep. and they, they, you know, you know, they're a big vegetarian. They hate how the food industry is slaughtering animals. Like, and it, it's yep. deeply, you know, they have a deep conviction about that. Does everyone at the table order vegetarian food? Um, I'm, I'm going to say no in partly in response to how that passage, Paul's actually using that passage. He's concerned about people causing other people to go against their conscience and sin. So is me having a, a, you know, a burger out for lunch with, with somebody who's a vegetarian going to cause them to go against their conscience and sin? Um, it might, but be based on the conversations that I've had with this person, because I probably know them, I, I'm going to make the, not the assumption, but the, the decision that, no, this isn't going to cause them to sin and go against their conscience and eat this meat if that's something they've decided is not okay for them. Mm-hmm. So I think that the difference is, is, is it going to cause them to sin? Are they going to see me enjoying the freedom that I have and then go against their conscience? Mm. And I don't think in those cases where, you know, it's not going to, that, that that's totally fine. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I think one of the, in some ways, first Corinthians eight is a, is a helpful framework in terms of the meat sacrificed to idols and that kind of stuff in that, um, idols were an obviously bad thing. Mm-hmm that should not uh, be worshiped and some people could eat the meat who were sacrificed to those idols who were given as an act of worship to these false gods. And some people could take that meat and eat it without a break in their conscience. Other people couldn't, Mm -hmm. but we have with the veganism issue isn't exactly a parallel with that, but where it does kind of correlate is the fact that idols are, are an obviously 
bad thing, mm-hmm. not the way things should function, mm-hmm. and uh, inhumane treatment of animals in is also a, I don't think it's going to be a part of the new creation. Right. I, I think it's something that we should work to avoid and mm-hmm. to fix. Um, and yet you could be eating meat actually sacrificed to this God of, of, uh, capitalism, <laughs> right? The call, man, call, call, call the it man. You, call it what you want to, to, to McDonald's. <laughs> and for some people <laughs> eating, eating that is going to break their conscience mm-hmm. and they're not going to be able to do it. And that's a Christian liberty for them. And for other people, it's not going to break their conscience, even though both agree things are not the way they ought to when it comes to this issue. Right. And some might disagree and they think it's a big, making a big deal out of nothing. But, but my point is that I think, I think in order for people to make, like, I don't think veganism is a, is a Christian issue in terms of it being an ethical issue or a moral issue that you have to be a vegan to be, be a, a legitimate Christian. I think to tend that way, to lean that way is to lean towards legalism. Mm-hmm. I think likewise to have someone in your life who is a vegan, it would be improper. I think for you to force them into participating and eating meat, if Absolutely. it's a break of their conscience. Right. I think it's a different thing a little bit than what we have in acts where Peter um, doesn't want to eat unclean foods because he doesn't want to defile himself and be seen as a Gentile. Yep. And God comes to Peter in a vision in Acts 10 and says, like, don't call something impure if I've made it pure, if I've made it pure. And so eat the bacon, man. It's not going to make you impure. Mm-hmm. For Peter, that was more about a religious purity issue than it was about how is the bacon processed and what was the life of the pig like before the slaughterhouse? I think so. It's not a one-to-one correlation, but it is a helpful framework for us to say that it's not wrong for Christians to engage in eating meat. Um, and it's also not wrong for people to say, I don't want to participate in this. I, I think another factor in this conversation that I think is worth bringing in is the reality that most of the time we're getting information about things like this from studies or from, from movies and documentaries that we just need to be aware of the biases, mm-hmm. biases in play. Like I know the, the Netflix or documentary, it's probably, you can watch it not on Netflix too, but, uh, what the health mm. is a documentary and it's basically pushing this whole vegan viewpoint as a, as an ethical necessity. Right. Um, and, uh, and better for your body than not. And my, when you're watching this documentary, it's just obvious that there's no real care being taken to represent the other view fairly. So I think, excuse me, I think when you're researching these kinds of things, we do need to be aware of who's producing the research, who's, who's producing the report, who, who's paying for that report to be done. Um, likely it's a lot more of a complex issue than either side wants to give it credit for. So because of that, I think it's to make a few kind of assertions that everything that God has made should be enjoyed by, by his creatures in responsible ways. Mm-hmm. Um, that in the new creation, we will enjoy God's good creation in responsible, sustainable ways. Right now we live in that already, not yet where we should enjoy things, but we should also be aware that the way that we're doing it may not be the best for fill in the blank, the planet, mm-hmm. the the economy, the the rights of others, all, all kinds of yeah. stuff. Yep. 
Because you could go in all kinds of directions with this. You could also start going down the road. The same people who might be adamantly pro-vegan might also be wearing clothes that were made in a, in a country where the care for the employees were not as high as they, sh- as they sh- rightly should be. Right. And for some people, that, that issue mm-hmm. doesn't break their conscience. Right. So they'll make the pro-vegan movie while wearing the H&M t-shirt. I don't know if H&M is included in the group of people who are part of this sure, ethical. Sure. I'm just throwing out an example. Right. Yeah. So my, my point is different people's conscience are going to be pricked and disturbed by different things. Yep. And so if every single one of us lived the most sustainable lives possible, we probably wouldn't drive vehicles or own homes or buy food from places that aren't organic, locally sourced. We would probably make all of our own clothing. We would probably have our own farms like I don't see people going all the way on this. And I, I'm not saying that that's a wrong thing. I'm saying, I think that's just a product of, of people's conscience pricking them in different areas. Right. Yeah. I, I, Greg, I like what you said about the, I mean, the sustainability thing. Um, I had a professor in university. He was my environmental science professor. And he was saying all those people that think, uh, all the vegans that think, you know, they're saving the animals lives because they're eating plants. He says, did you know that, uh, when they tear up the fields, to plant these, you know, vegan areas that they, they're actually killing, you're killing all the tiny little critters that are, that are living there and burrowing there and, and, you know, part of that ecosystem. And so in an attempt to save animals, they end up killing other ones like lower on the chain. Yeah. But these ones are bigger. Yeah. So it matters. Yeah. So, but anyways, it was like, and they talk in Disney movies. Yeah. Uh, yeah. I know. Like Bambi, but the, the idea that sustainability in the fallen world is just is it possible? Like it, we can do our best, but I don't know if it is because everything we do, there's going to be one side that suffers. And, uh, it's yeah. interesting. Even if like, if you, if the, if a whole country, I read a study that like if the whole country of, of great Britain went vegetarian, um, it wouldn't be sustainable because they don't have enough land mass. They would have to move land mass into like the rest of Europe and pretty quickly, you know, the crops won't grow and mm. provide as much food that is mm. needed for the country. Mm. So it's, it's an interesting dilemma. Yeah. It's a complex issue for sure. And I yep. think, I think it's right. I think it's, uh, fair for our Christians, brothers and sisters to remind us of ways in which the world is broken mm-hmm. and ways in which we should try to make things better. Yeah. Um, so yes and amen to that. I also think it's fair for Christians to exercise their liberty in areas that others may not feel the same level of freedom. Um, and so I think this is going to be one of those things that we continue to process as a, as a community, as people continue to process these kinds of yep. food issues. It's funny that we're processing food issues 2000 years ago too. Right. Yeah. And how do we handle this in, in their context, how to do more with explicit idol worship in our context, it has to do more with capitalism and, and, and sustainability of yep. uh, ecosystems and of countries and cultures and yep. all that kind of stuff. And yeah, the mass amounts of human beings we have on the earth now. Yeah. Which, I mean, bringing this a little bit to this past weekend at the Astro campus, we had IJM next uh, this weekend coming up in Mission. You guys have IJM coming in. This is one of the great things that we should applaud ministries like IJM for is they're raising the temperature in people's minds about the the ways in which our world continues to oppress and marginalize and, um, and, and damage people. Right. Um, in a variety of ways in the sex slaves and in 
the brick kilns and all kinds of different ways. So kudos to IJM and the work that they do and in keeping that kinds of that that kind of thing in the forefront of our minds because as much as we are people who want to proclaim the gospel clearly and make sure that people are clear that they need reconciliation between them and God. Uh, we would be crazy to not also recognize that the new Testament is filled with examples of teaching that how you live that out, that interpersonal reconciliation with God, how you live that out in the horizontal plane with other people actually says a lot about the legitimacy of the vertical relationship. Yep. And so it's a, it's a good reminder for us. And again, there's complex issues too with how to handle that in the best way possible. Yeah. Yep. Awesome. Is that it? We're done. Are we well, done? I think we got time for one more. It depends which way you want to go. I mean, Greg, you Ooh. have a, uh, you have something coming up Sunday night. Do you want to share a little bit about what's coming up Sunday night? Oh yeah, sure. Um, well, it's not really me, but I'm well, a part of it. You're, you're I'm a in part the of conference it. circuit now, Greg. That's yeah, not true. Uh, so <laughs> Sunday night, uh, October 29th, I believe is Sunday night. Yep. And um, at 630 in the worship center, we are hosting and participating in uh, a citywide worship service. So uh, different churches from the city of Abbotsford gathering together to do uh, a service. And so I'll be speaking. I'll be one of the speakers at it. There's going to be other people speaking and leading. Thalia will be uh, involved in praying and hosting and welcoming. And uh, Jonathan Giesbrecht's involved in leading worship at it. So if you're a Northview person, you can come and see a bit of your home home town. Well, we're all from Abbotsford, but, but a little <laughs> bit of your own familiar faces. I'll say it that way. Yep. Uh, but yeah, it, I mean, it, I'm sure it'll be a very interesting event. I don't, I don't actually know what to expect. I haven't been to one of these before, but mm. um, I'm closing off our service talking about uh, all things to the glory of God. And so as Christian brothers and sisters in the city of Abbotsford, I'm excited to help us think through and and live in light of the fact that everything we do is for God's glory. Mm. So yep. are you doing a full sermon or is it more like a, a sermonette? They gave me seven minutes. Oh, wow. So it's like a Ted talk. So it's like a half of a Ted talk. Yeah. It's like a half Ted talk. You get through your introduction. Well, we're out of time. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. It'll be, it'll be, a, it'll be a true devotional in terms of the, it'll be like the daily bread. Yep. Here's yeah. a verse. Here's some thoughts. Let's pray. Let's pray. Is this one of those like the seven minute wink, wink, you can have 17? I don't think so. Kind of how some sure probably not. I think there's no winking. No. Nope. Hey, you have a half hour, 54 minutes later. <laughs> That's a Kyle Meeker story, <laughs> right? Do you know that? Is it? Is that what you mean? No, I was, I was pointing more to Ezra Okuti. Oh, I saw you. I threw Kyle under the bus for no reason. Yeah. yeah. He Good preached job, a few years ago. He had... 35 minutes and he took 56. <laughs> <laughs> the man's got a lot of, he's got a lot of information up there. He's a bright. Yes. Kyle a bright is a guy. fantastic. You got to have outlets bright. to be able to get that out. And maybe he didn't have enough outlets at that point and it all just built up and he went, he went for it. He went hard. Oh man. He did. That is good. Well, Greg, we're looking forward to your Ted talk. You know, I've always thought it'd be hilarious to have, um, I saw someone else do this recently where, uh, they, um, they hosted a TED Talk event and they had like an audience and everything. Uh, but the person going up there to give the TED Talk doesn't actually know what the talk is about. And they get the topic as soon as they get up on stage. And they have about, they have to talk for like seven minutes about that particular topic. And they might not even know anything about it, but they have to kind of make their way through it. I think that would be quite a good event. Maybe, maybe you could bring that to Northview. 
in the I think, future. I think if I was put in that position, I would probably just have like a good illustration that I could like tweak to whatever, which way I wanted it to go. Tell a long story. And just like tell a four minute story and then make some points. Yeah. It's one of those things where you start talking, you have no idea where your sentence is going. And then it's kind of like me most of the time. Yeah. Sounds right. On this podcast that we love to host and we love being on it. And uh, we hope this was helpful to you. We look forward to hearing from you next week. Until then, take care. And uh, we want to see that podcast hit top 100. Don't we, Greg? Yeah, that would make my week. That would be, uh, that would give me meaning in life. Sound sound more excited about that, Greg. Oh man, Greg, that would make your year. It would make my year. If I, if I saw it at 99, Christmas came early. Thanks for listening.